Hi, it's Rola Kerr. Hi, it's Sade. Welcome to the sixth episode of The Other Side of the Atlantic. Welcome. Rolake, how was your week? I had a really good week and I'm I'm so happy it's Friday, yay. but I actually had a yay. Mm-hmm. I actually had a really chilled work was intense, like the first half of the week. Mm-hmm. But last weekend I went to the beach Ooh. on Sunday. Yeah, I had such a nice time, even though it rained. Aww. It was a lovely week. And um, my new um uh, French date, uh, <laughs> he got me a lovely dress. So I'm I'm still very happy about that. Yeah, the dress is absolutely gorgeous. I am in love with the dress. I when I saw it, I was like, please, who's your designer? Because I need some. I need that dress. You have sure. such good taste. Very, very I was good so taste. happy. Very good taste. Such a nice surprise. Um, how was your week, Shadi? My week was good. It's been much better this week than my past few weeks. Um, um, but I had a really good week. Uh, last weekend, I told you guys I was going for a hike. And I said I was going to go to Sugarloaf Mountain, but um, actually, which is in Virginia, which is not the place that I went. I went to um, Great Falls in Potomac, Maryland. Um, and I also told you I was going to give a little bit of just about um, one of the people on the hike with me. So one of the guys that went on the hike, um, uh, I actually went on a date with him last year. <laughs> and I thought it was this year. No, it was last year. It was in October. Of last Thank year. you. So no, oh, so it wasn't that one. <laughs> <laughs> I can't keep yeah, up. No, well, no. Okay, tell us. So I went on a date with um one of the guys uh on the hike. So as I was like pulling, I knew I kind of knew he was gonna be there, but I was like, I kind of hope. Not that I don't see him. I just knew it was gonna be awkward, like a little bit awkward, like you know. Um, and <laughs> literally, as I pulled up, he pulled up like right behind me. So I'm like, <laughs> oh, exactly. Um, but yeah, so I went on a date with him last year. And like, if you remember, I told you that he's a really nice guy, but he was just really, really high energy. It's really, really high energy. And I, and I misjudged him. Um, so we have, a, okay. we have like a mutual friend that we kind of both talk to about each other, too. Um, and I, I did misjudge him. He's like a really hyper person, but I'm also like really not low energy, but I'm definitely medium energy. So I think that kind of threw me off. But that's he, true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I like I, I kind of got to see the other side of him that I didn't. So um, yeah, it was, it was a really nice walk, um, and we did talk for a bit. Um, so I kind of felt bad because I blew him off after the date, and like he kept wanting to go out, and then I like kept saying I was busy, and he just stopped texting me because whatever um but yes yeah, so i did see him and it was i'm so crazy. glad you got to see him again because the I, video you sent of him he just seems like a lot of fun the yeah. one of him dancing like zanku leg work he yeah. just seems like fun he's really like light-hearted um so yeah that, that happened so important <laughs> so i love it so have you got any fourth of july plans it's a big holiday right yeah so i'm gonna have a few uh friends over just a small group of people and um, we are still in quarantine so we're not going to be out here you know inviting 20,000 people to um, our houses but it's nice to just still be around people um so I'm gonna go I'm gonna pick up some food tonight and cook some light you know refreshments um but yeah it's my fourth of July that sounds so nice. yep that sounds amazing so this week week's episode everyone is um on how where you live shapes who you are so that's our main section this week. Um, we've both lived in different cities around the world and we've just kind of observed through our own personal experiences and how we've been shaped 
by living in London or Lagos or New York or DC, that cities kind of have their own power and they kind of shape you. So that's our main section this week. And our wild card for this week, um, we're going to be talking about all the times that God has said no um, to our plans, whether it be personal plans with loved ones, um, uh, with lovers, I should say, with family or professionally, and how it ended up turning out to be for the best. So we're going to give you a few examples of things in our distant and our recent past where we prayed for, fasted and sowed, and it didn't work out. <laughs> <laughs> So many things. Yes, but in retrospect, we're very happy it didn't work out because greater things um, were on the horizon. Um, but before we, yes, before we do that, we're going to get into our, our what I'm for the week. So welcome to our what I'm segment for this week. Um, so our weekly what I'm segment is to let you guys know what we've been watching, reading, and following in the news or on social media in the past week. So Alake, you start. What have you been watching this week? So I've not been watching anything, or I have, mm-hmm. but nothing I want to share. But mm-hmm. um, what I've been listening to um, has been really good. So yesterday I had a dance party alone in my house. <laughs> <laughs> and I danced to my Afro beats and I had fun. So a couple of songs that really made me happy. Um, the first one is by Ladipo and Simi, and it's mm-hmm. called um, Know You. It's so cute. I don't know if you've heard it, but it's like a love song, but it's still upbeat. Um, and the second one is by Mayoku, and it's called Rora, R-O-R-A. Mm-hmm. And, and that's really, really fun, like a proper party song. Yeah. So, Jade, what have you been watching? I have been watching um, this docuseries on Netflix called Lennox Hill. Um, it is a docuseries um, about... it's. Um, a documentary essentially about a hospital in New York called Lenox Hill and it is about I think eight episodes long and it basically goes through the lives of the doctors um, and the patients and it is so heartbreaking Um, you get to see like the lives of the doctors like behind you know the screen and um, the patients and you have like patients die it's so like I cried on almost every single episode yeah Yeah. it's so so good Um, and um there is a doctor in particular who I really love and resonate with, and she's a Black OBGYN. And throughout the series, she's always talking about how, you know, being a Black OBGYN and- Obs and know, for <clears throat> Americans listening. I'm sorry? I said obs and gynae doctor for the non-Americans who are listening. What is it called in England? Obs and What is it called? Obs and gynae. Obstetrics and gynecology. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a, a doctor. America. No, it sounds like a pilot. Giny. Like, guy. Oh, we don't understand your terminology. Oh, my God. That is the most, like, funny thing I've heard. Yeah, that's what it's called in England. I don't know what it's called in Nigeria. Oh, that is so funny. But, uh, yes, there's a Black obstetrics doctor, and she talks about um, being Black and, you know, being there for Black patients and how, like, you know, the um, discrimination in the medical field. And I really, really love her. And she's pregnant through the series, and she gives birth. Um, Yeah, so it's it's just a heartwarming um, series to watch, and I absolutely loved it. I'm still going to tune into that. Yep. So what have you been buying, Walaka? 
I've been buying um, household goods. So I've been buying stuff to make a cake this weekend. So I bought mm-hmm. a bunch of lemons and strawberries and lots of cream. So I had to get frozen strawberries. So earlier in the lockdown, we were getting strawberries from Joss, which is like mm-hmm. in the middle yep. belt of Nigeria. And they were very, very nice. So very nice and well-priced. But um, lately, it seems the people who are bringing them down, they probably are still bringing them down, but I couldn't get a hold of them. So I got frozen strawberries. And I want to make a cake that I saw on Baker by Nature um, Instagram. Do you follow her? I don't, but it sounds nice. <laughs> yeah, she's so good. So um, at Baker by Nature, she has amazing cakes. I've done a bunch of her brownies during lockdown. I just started baking during lockdown. So that's what I've been buying. So what have you been listening to? You always have good music. Yeah, so I've been listening to a podcast Um so as much as we love doing our podcast, we also support other podcasts. Um, For sure. And, yeah. And I've been listening to Modern Love podcast um, from the New York Times. And Modern Love is basically, it was it's a series um, that the New York Times published. And people would write in stories about like loves, you know, of the past and just things that have gone wrong. And just, it was, it's a really, really great um, article. And they actually had last year a series on um, Amazon um, that was based on the column. So it's, you can read the column, you can watch the show on Amazon or you can listen to the podcast. Um, and I've listened to two recent episodes that I'm gonna recommend. One is Alone in the Pandemic. And this was published in April and it's basically about 10 people um, giving their um, stories on how it feels to be alone in a pandemic. And the second one is called How to Fall in Love with Anyone. Um, and it's this woman. Who, <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. I actually highly recommend it. And it's this woman who did an experiment um, with this guy. Um, and basically, it's based off of 36 questions by psychologist author Aaron. And basically, these 36 questions are um, are supposed to, if you ask your partner these 36 questions or anyone that you're just not even dating, anyone that you meet, um, you apparently fall in love with them. So the experiment was set up. Yeah, yeah the experiment was set up with this psychologist basically two, took two strangers, asked them these 36 questions or had them ask each other these 36 questions. And six months later, they were married. Yeah, so I, I'm i <laughs> all about this. Um, I hope you made notes about the two episodes she just mentioned. I've not listened, but Shade told me about it before we started recording. And I was like, hey, I'm I'm already on this. So I found those 36 questions back in April. Because um, um, our friend Amina told me about them, and yeah, it just they are the their questions that force you to be vulnerable and open and really share yourself with someone else. So I can believe it that if if they they can cause anybody to fall in love. So that sounds so cool. Yeah, and the and the person who wrote in um the, to the column, she's actually the person that she tried the experiment with. They're still together. Um, so So I highly recommend it's modern love podcast, um, from the New York times. You can find it wherever you find podcasts, where you found this podcast, um, as well as uh, modern love, the TV series, um, on Amazon, on crime. Um, so what have you been following? Yeah. So I've been following, there's a, um, new law that's just been passed in the UK and it's called the rough sex defense. And it um, means that men can no longer claim that women consented to rough sex that um, caused the woman to die during sex. So there, there was a really horrible, sad story 
of a 20, I think she was like 22 year old British um, girl who was backpacking in New Zealand and she was killed by someone she went on a Tinder date on in 2018. Um, and um, basically I think his defense um, allowed him to, he didn't get away with it. I think he's still under prosecution, but he basically claimed that she consented to rough sex and she died um, being strangled. Yeah, so, I remember uh, the case because I'm like, he like literally strangled her to death. And I know people have like different like sexual things, but like to that amount that you kill her. <laughs> I'm just speechless. I don't, yeah. I don't have much to say about it. I don't have much to say. So I'm just so pleased this new law has been passed. That means people cannot claim stupidity. Stupidity. It's just, yeah, I'm just really pleased. And I quickly, 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 you know, when we did our dating horror stories episode, there was a story I wanted to tell and I ended up not telling it. And I think it was because it was still a little bit raw for me, even though it was like four years ago now. But I basically, a one, like four years ago, I met this guy at a wedding in Lagos. We went on a date and he was very pushy. We went on like two dates and he was really pushy, very forward, um, wanting to be very physical, very quick. And I found out like after our I think it was our second date. I Googled his name and I found out he was a sex offender in England and um, he was actually being sentenced to prison in England. Um, and yeah, he had raped like five women um, and drugged them. So yeah, I just, it's very real. And especially in our culture of dating online, we just need to be really careful. So I'm really, really glad this law has been passed. I am too. Yeah, I, so, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that it's been passed too. And it really just says a lot about the society that we live in today where we need to have that long place. So thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So what have you been following? So I have been following a story that um, was in the news a few days ago. Um, and it's basically the, the king of Belgium. Um, I, I would like to say apologize, but he didn't apologize. And he uh, worded his words carefully, but he sent his regrets to the people of Democratic Republic of, of Congo for the colonial um, Belgium's role in their uh, colonial past. So Belgium had- Amazing, um, he did yeah. this. No, How, it's <laughs> terrible. You said no, but regret? No, the king say sorry. Well, I think he didn't say sorry. He sent his regrets. He, and that's why mm. I said he worded it carefully. It, they, Belgium had the worst probably like one of the worst um, records of like violation of like human rights and just like t between uh, King Leopold II's rule in Congo and estimate 23 years an estimated 10 million people yes. were yes. killed. Yes, and, yes. And I had a conversation with someone about this yesterday, but how do you pay for the deaths of 10 million people? How do you pay for the land that you stole and the resources <laughs> and just the generational pain? I Never. don't know the answer to that, but it's much more than sending your regrets. And I think as black people, we need to stop letting white people get away with shit like this. You don't send your regrets for killing 10 million people. You do much more than that. No, it's terrible. No, no, it's no, terrible. no, no, no. I agree. I agree with everything you said. I just don't know the history. I don't know whether this is the first time that a monarch in even Belgium- if, has Even if up. it is, he didn't apologize. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. So I'm just saying that maybe previous monarchs have already ha apologized or previous monarchs have already, you know, sent reparations. I don't know. Maybe. Um, but I, I'm I like, just, 
Let's be real here. But no, so yeah, let's let's Great. be real. But I just wonder if if the sh- if the shoes were on the other foot, um, and if it was a black person who went into a white nation and like killed ten million people, what would have happened? Like it's just so terrible. I just think that you owe the people more than sending your regrets. If he would have apologized, I may have felt a different way. But the fact that he literally worded it so he did not apologize sat very badly with me. <laughs> yeah, well said. Well said. <laughs> so it just really just made me really upset to see that. Um, yeah. So like, what have you been grateful for in this past week? Um, so I've been grateful for um, just having a bit more time to have the headspace to pray more. Um, yeah, so it's been amazing. This year started up very, very fast. So lockdown has given me a chance to have the headspace to yeah, actually get into prayer. And especially because um, a group of friends of mine, a, a friend group of mine, we've started a prayer group every Tuesday and it's just like changing my life and it's five of us and it keeps us accountable um, so yeah, I'm really grateful for that. And just having that fellowship with God, I just, I have so much more self-worth in this period. Like I just, I really value myself a lot more, like seeing myself in God's eyes. Amen. Um, yeah, like how I am at work, valuing my time with subordinates in the office. Yeah, I just have a lot more clarity on uh, who I am and um, my value. So I'm very grateful for that. What about you? What are you grateful for? I am grateful for being able to have the headspace to pray as well. I think that's really great. Um, but my grateful a thing that I'm grateful for this week is Ronke. <laughs> so Ronke is, a, is uh, someone that I've met through Valaka, um, and Valaka sent her an episode a few weeks ago, and she volunteered to do our social media. So all the wonderful things that you see on our social media page is courtesy uh, of her. So I'm really grateful that she has been able to do this for us. Um, and I'm also grateful that she's kind of pushed, that that has pushed me to sharing more on my social media because I do not post at all. <laughs> so I'm really, really grateful. You didn't even have a social media before. I, like I'm I so friends. I had an Instagram. Yeah, but you didn't use it. I didn't use it. No, I didn't. So um, I'm really grateful that's kind of had forced me to share more um, and post more. Um, so yeah, I'm really thankful and grateful for you, Ronke. Thank you, Ronke. So, so, so grateful. Yes. So that is it for our What I'm uh, segment this week. We're going to take a little short break and head into our main topic next. Welcome to our main topic this week. This week, we are talking about how where you live shapes who you are. As two global girls who've been living in different cities, we've just noticed that depending on where people live, there's kind of a general personality type or just the place that you live influences you. So, for example, in Lagos, people have like a lot of energy. They're like very ambitious. They like going to weddings. Whereas in London, people might be a little bit more chilled, um, like doing the same things, hanging out with the same people. So we wanted to reflect on this and look at, um, in particular, London, New York, D.C., and Lagos. Um, So we're going to start by sharing some statistics about these uh, three cities, and Shade will share them with us. Yes, so we're going to first start with the rent prices. So if you want to move to these cities, you got to first know how much it's going to cost for you to live in them. Yes. Um, (laughs) So um, we will start with New York. So while it's cheaper to get around in New York than it may be in London um, or even in Lagos, uh, you pay for that um, that uh, quality by having offset higher um, 
rent prices. So if you're looking for a one bedroom apartment in New York, you're looking at an average of 2,700. And that's the it's average. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. And that's the average for the city. So you can get something much more expensive or much, much, much cheaper. And well, like I know you have, by experience, you know that this 2,700 will not even get you like a brand new apartment. It will get yep. you something like much older um, and maybe in a good, in a good location, but much older um, and not have the kind of niceness and newness as a new apartment complex will. So my rent was exactly that amount. It was wow. $2,750 per month and it was a shoebox. <laughs> the most amazing part of town and I was like I must live here by force I must be where they film friends I wanted to be in West Village <laughs> but you remember that apartment it was so old and crumbly but it was in a really great location so I think it was a kind of a trade-off <laughs> you're right yeah and in DC you'll more or less see similar prices um, but in DC like they love adding things for parking parking in the city will get you like $250 and other amenities but our buildings are much newer. So you'll pay about the same amount, but you'll get a much newer building. In Your London, build, you're so amazing. Yeah, it was really nice. I kind of miss it. Uh, it wasn't 2,700 though. Um, so yeah. in, in London, you're looking at about 2,000 pounds uh, for a one bedroom apartment in the city. And in Lagos, um, average, you're looking at about $1,000 per month. Um, but in Lagos, for those who live there, or for those who haven't, um, it's really important to know that you pay your rent up front in a year. Um, so you even pay, used to be two years. So very. It used to be. I think, I think Fashola is the one that um, who reformed that, but it used to be much longer than that. Um, so that's just one of the trade offs. It's, it's nice to have your rent taken care of, but it's also like kind of hard to get one, one year's worth of uh, rent up front. Um, yes, and in certain places in New York City, if I can go back, um, you actually have to have a certain income um requirement i've heard it's like 10 or 20 times your monthly rent um in some parts of like fort green in brooklyn cobble hill you're looking at a minimum salary of a hundred thousand to be able to rent and most new yorkers do not make a hundred thousand <laughs> so um so we're talking about marriage next um so in new york the average age of marriage is about 34 for women and 30 i'm sorry 32 for women and 34 for men whereas Ooh, on average yeah on average in the u.s it's 27 for women and 29 for men so people tend to get married later in new york city um london the average age just really surprised me because i thought it was a bit um kind of older than i was thinking but the average age for women is 35 and the average age for men is 38 i think it's a crazy number it's yeah. really surprising yeah um yeah. i think the main reason was most people live together before getting married hmm. so married more of an afterthought so I my so I, I agree with that, but I think what I was thinking was that maybe because most people are just like working. So like New York City, people are always on the go, finance capital of you know America, one of the finance capitals of the world. I just thought people were just kind of building their careers before they decided to get married. I agree, but then yeah. why is London so much worse than New York? I don't know why it's so much worse, but I was surprised. Uh, what do you think the average? So we don't have any statistics for the age of marriage for Nigeria. Or, All I know is that in Lagos, when you turn 24, they're already asking why you're not married. <laughs> but but do, you, do you think nowadays people are still getting married in their, like, um, mid-20s? Yeah, yes and no. Okay. Like, I depend. I see a lot of people still getting married in that kind of, like, 25, 26. But yeah. I guess amongst more of, like, a group of friends, it's a bit later. It's more that kind of 30. 
30, like early 30s? Yeah. What do you So I would say from the people that I know, I would say now it's more late 20s and early 30s. Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. We, we don't have many people getting married in their mid to late, but I think for the yeah. most part, it's, it's early, early 30s, late 20s. Um, so the last bit of information we're going to give you is the number of vacation days. Um, so on average, uh, people in the U.S. will take about 17 vacation days um, a year in comparison to some European counterparts, um, namely French and Danish workers who take a statutory um, minimum of 36 vacation days a year. That's a whole, that's more than a month. I couldn't imagine just because like <laughs> being in the US taking 30, that's a whole month. Like what would I even do for a whole month? I know. <laughs> when I was in Denmark, I was like on holiday after holiday. It was crazy. That's amazing. But England is fantastic too. England is like an average of 28 days, which is which very is good. good. Which is good. Um, and good. Lagos is low. Lagos is around 20 days as okay. well. It's still more than the U.S. <laughs> America, you people just love to work. That's yeah, you like to work. we do love to work. Um, so that is our statistics uh, on those three different uh, countries. Uh, oh yeah, and I wanted to add some yeah. stats about um, transportation and getting around. Yes, you did. So, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. So as much as I love New York, one thing I could not get my head around was the horrible, horrible, horrible subway. Um, so we're going to just do a quick comparison between the New York subway and London. So uh, London's underground is bigger, 400 kilometers compared to 380 kilometers in New York. Um, and London has 11 lines and New York has 24 lines, which explains why I was always lost. I was always lost on the New York subway. You know, and, the funny um, thing is, when I lived in New York, I mostly just, so I lived in Jersey City and I worked in New York, and I would only take the train um, as far as 34th Street, which is where the path train in, the, in Jersey City stopped, and I would just walk everywhere else, because I felt like it was easier sometimes okay. to walk than take the train. Yeah. <laughs> Within central New York, I also just walked, I think it's one of the best cities to walk, I, I just sure. love walking. When I was going out, let's say you want to go to Brooklyn, or you want to go, um, you know, up to Harlem then you have to um but yeah so I do prefer walking though um and then last thing I'll share on this is the price so in New York a single fare is $2.75 and in London it's £2.30 which is yeah yeah which is sounds the same it sounds the same but I just know like I think we before we started recording we said that that £2.30 will mostly get you to like one or zone one or zone two. So if you want to go out further, you would be paying much more money. Um, yeah. Which, which, um, which the grateful thing is in New York City, if, as long as you're taking the actual, the subway, it's more or less the same price, I think. Um, so anyway. Yeah. Uh, so that, I think that's a big benefit. And I, I've always found transportation, like the Oyster card was so expensive um, in London <laughs> for like the, the monthlies and the weeklies. I thought it was so much more than what I would pay in New York City. Fully agree. Yeah. Okay, so that's our intro uh, to the how where you live shapes who you are. Now let's get into the meaty section. So we're <laughs> going to begin with uh, New York and DC. And we're both going to share our best and worst stories of living in these places. So I'll go first. So um, yeah, if you're listening and you know me, you know that I'm obsessed with New York. <laughs> and- <laughs> I, I can't really say much bad about New York apart from it's dirty and the subway is <laughs> dirty. 
But apart from that, I just love the city. I love the energy. I love the openness of the people. Um, people are so open. I felt when I was living there, like I could just really um, be myself and be whoever I wanted to be, even if that changed on a daily basis. And I just find in New York, like everybody, everybody's just doing them and they really don't give a shit like yeah. what you think. And I love that freedom. And I, I just, I love that energy. Um, so I think my best story living in New York um, was and this was about two years ago now um, and I was living there for just under a year for work and my best so- story would be that summer it was the World Cup and oh it was just hot and balmy every day mm-hmm. and we would hang out on the rooftops and have like amazing cocktails and you know in New York you just start gisting with someone then you meet someone else and you end up on a crazy night out so I just have these great memories of crazy night out, meeting different people and like them becoming your best friend overnight. And then I have this specific memory of going to see the Nigeria football game. I remember who Nigeria was, but it was in um, Brooklyn. Um, It was near uh, that part of Brooklyn that is, I think it's downtown Brooklyn near the bridge. And I went with some friends from the office, like some British friends and then some African friends. And we got to this bar and it was like Nigeria thing it was a Nigeria bar they had a dampo which is like a yellow oh dampo. wow yeah they had a dampo in there and oh the energy was just so good like all these people who just came out to support um Nigeria and that's like my bestest memory of New York so Shadi what's your best memory of uh New York so my best memory um so I was in New York I can't even remember so I, I know, I remember the 2014 World Cup and I was working in Philly at that point. So it must have been like between, <laughs> and I graduated college in 2011. So I think I was near from like 2012 to 14, around that time. So my best memory um, was that uh, just going out like after work, I was working and interning um, in New York City. So just going out and just like with my coworkers, the people from my internship, um, and just kind of having fun, like drinking and just like, I can't think of this place, but there was this taco place that we used to go to. And it was like $5 margaritas, which is like the cheapest drinks in New York City. <laughs> like drink. I'm sorry. I was going to say I love tacos in New yes, York. Yes, we used to like drink like three, four margaritas, like spend 20 bucks and get super drunk. <laughs> um, and just like having that freedom, like you know, being young, not having a lot of responsibilities. Like I remember taking the train, well, taking the the, the train to back to Jersey City, the path train at like one o'clock in the morning, like being home before like some of my friends who lived in Brooklyn because because <laughs> yeah, it was like so much closer sometimes. Jersey City yeah. Um, and just having fun and like sleeping a few hours, going back to the office with like zero sleep and doing it again. <laughs> that's so fun. Yeah, it's just that freedom. So that's like my Yeah, I think freedom is such a key word for me yeah. when I think about it. It's like you can just like let loose and you can be in a different place every night with a different group of people with a different vibe. You can be like Afro beats one night and then another night you're doing like electronic music in a completely different part of town. Um yeah it was amazing it was just so much like you know diversity like you make friends so easily like I remember like I had yes. I made so many friends um and one of the things and also, also- so easy I remember thinking I was in a film because <laughs> I, would draw and, you know, I was like this is like a movie you it sit is. in a bar and like guys will just come and chat to you and like literally like like I remember one time we were having dinner me and a friend at the standard hotel 
And like some guy just started sending us like um, food and desserts. And then I went up spending the night with him and his friends. And I was like, this is like a film. People are so open. <laughs> <laughs> like America. Oh, America. No, people are really open. And um, just thinking, yeah. so one of the things that I also loved about being in New York was that I was so fit, like physically, because I would mm. just walk everywhere. <laughs> yeah, I was always walking. Like, so I was like the probably yeah. the skittiest that I was like in my like adult life. I, I was walking everywhere. I was in yeah. as I ate everything. <laughs> I think the food is so good. I was always eating, but then I got really hooked on the New York um fitness culture. So I signed up to Orange Theory. Mm. I was doing um what's that um spinning class? Forget um, it now. Oh, I forget. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, so, so yeah, cycle. also very fit. Yeah, well, I did. I wasn't eating like great food because I was like broke out, just out of college. So like I, yeah. <laughs> I was eating like noodles and then like walking ten miles a day. <laughs> <laughs> I was eating nonsense because I never ever cooked. I never wanted to be home. I was always out. So I was always eating out. <laughs> okay, worst stories. Worst stories. I think we can go on forever. Okay. So my worst story living in New York. Um, was uh, one day I fainted. I fainted. I was home alone. Um, I hit my head on my wardrobe as I fell, and I was holding a glass, and the glass shattered and cut my stomach. Yeah, I remember. Um, that. So crazy. I remember. Yeah. And I just remember thinking, ah, maybe no one is ever going to find me because oh, I lived in this apartment block. I did not know my neighbors. Um, I used to drive every morning from New York to Jersey for work, so no one would be looking for me in the morning. So that kind of anonymity, which gives you the freedom of New York, also means you're kind of vulnerable if something goes wrong. So that, that was my worst memory of New York. That's, that's scary. It's really, really yeah, scary. what's yours? So I, I don't, I, like you, I love my time in New York and don't really have like a lot of bad memories. I know like I was living with roommates, so that was kind of bad. <laughs> with um, which, what roommates? Um, so one of my friends um, from uh, high school, um, like we're like very close. We've always been really close, but just kind of having that, like you're new to the city, everyone's going around drinking, doing that like, you know, crazy stuff. So I just think that mix of that was like, like a lot um, and had strange yeah. friendships. Um, but like the only, so that was like the only negative thing. But then also I remember just getting lost a lot. Um, <laughs> really bad. Um, so yeah, I just, that, those are like the only two things um, and just when I ended up leaving the city I remember it was because I knew it wasn't sustainable um, because I wasn't really doing anything like you know I was just working and interning just kind of like biding my time I actually originally went there thinking that I was going to go into like a master's program um, but I ended up not getting in and I was just like biding my time so like at, at one point I was like it's time to actually be an adult now <laughs> yeah but it's one of these spaces that sucks you in I remember when I was yeah. making the decision whether to stay or go and even though my kind of career prospects in New York were not necessarily so much better than elsewhere it's just a city that is very 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 difficult to leave Absolutely. Absolutely. yeah yeah but you were at a much better position than I was in that you had like an actual professional job I was just literally biding my time until like yeah. I, woke, I woke up and decided to be an actual adult. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Love it. So you've also lived in D.C., which is a yes. city I've tried to live in three times and yes. failed three times. So maybe can you also give some flavor, like how you see D.C. compared to New York, pros and cons? Yeah. So I've um, lived in this area for about three years now. Um, and I will say the pros of D.C. is that there's a mix of people. 
um, because everyone's transient. Not a lot of people here um, are from here besides some of the natives, um, but most people come here for work like I have myself. Um, which gives a lot of flavor to the city because it's a very international city um, and it's a very European city. It's probably one of the most European cities in the U.S. in terms of like architecture, how the city is built. Um, it's very easy to understand and get around. Um, subways are clean, like much better than New York City. <laughs> oh my gosh. If I visit you in D.C., I would be like, ah, this yeah. is paradise. Yeah. Yeah, it's a very liberal city. Um, like 97% of the people here voted for Hillary Clinton. So it's extremely a uh, liberal city. Um, and I just love, so I live in Capitol Hill um, and I live like yes. you know, a stone throw away from the Capitol building. I love seeing our, like, like, it, like sometimes like driving home when we were still driving and going to work, I drove by like the Capitol building every single day and just seeing that stretch of road leading up to that building um was just it's really really beautiful so it doesn't get lost to me that I'm like in the middle of all this history and politics and stuff um and some of the just the negative things yeah because people are transient like sometimes you don't really get to build a lot of relationships because people come and go quite a bit um and there's like a lot of pressure to like be like you know jobs are uh the social economics of this place are really high so like people are super competitive yeah I feel like you see, when you meet someone in a bar, people, the first thing is like, where do you work? What do you do? They give yeah. you the business. It's a very different vibe to New York. Where very it's like, different. Single, you want to go out with me. It's be- very different vibe. Very different. So because <laughs> of that, it's like a lot of pressure on a lot of people. To like, yes. those stats, right? Because everyone here is earning six figures. Everyone here has like, I've never seen, and I, you know, grew up in a really nice neighborhood in Jersey. I've never seen so many like Teslas and Benzes and Maseratis and like, <laughs> like, I, all people just going around yeah mm-hmm. like people like there's a lot of money here the houses are expensive you know um it's just there's a lot of pressure in that so i think that's one of the yeah. things that there's people can just like either fake it until you make it or just have like a lot of pressure living up to all of the standards in the city yeah nice yeah. so as we end that section one um we're both gonna give just one point of how we think um new york kind of shapes who you are um and my point is that um, I feel like New York just gives you that confidence and freedom and that joie de vivre. You're there and you're like, hey, this is the best place on earth mm-hmm. and I'm just going to pass it and I'm going to live my best life. And I just remember the day I arrived in New York, it was snowing. It was during that cyclone. Oh, thing. my God. <laughs> I do so remember. It was so cold. I do. Because I came to was... see you shortly after that, I think. Right? Yeah, you came to me like a week after, literally. And it was, it was so, so cold. cold. <laughs> Yeah, all I remember is it was cold, but I just remember getting into my new apartment and playing the song New York, New York, and singing and dancing alone in my apartment. And it's kind of this feeling of like, I don't know, it was just like a celebration. And I just think it's a city of celebration. And you kind of have to have fun when you're there. You you cannot sit at home. I, I remember very few evenings sitting at home. You have to be out. You need to be soaking it in. So what is your one thought of how New York shapes who you are? Uh, it, I, I definitely felt like much more of a freer person living in New York City. Um, you, don't, you don't really care about much. You can dance on the day. I remember, and this was like um, not even in the city. <laughs> I remember um, one of my like really close friends, uh, she lives um, outside of the city and we went to a bar and we got drunk and there was literally like five people in the bar and we decided to like dance to Beyonce. They played a Beyonce song and we literally <laughs> took up the whole entire dance floor. Yeah. Dancing really badly to Beyonce. <laughs> I remember the song, it was Love on Top. 
and we were just like dancing. Um, people drunk idiots so that's, like, that's so fun yeah that's just like what new york is you don't care like you know about how you, you don't look, care how you look when you dance like you don't care you take off your shoes i have like so many pictures of me just like in a hot mess but just having so much fun <laughs> uh like yeah in the beginning of the night i would look nice and my hair would be prim and proper and then by the end of the night my shoes are off my like you know makeup is smeared but that is what new york city is it's so much fun and i think it continues because i was a lot older than you were when i yeah. was there and i just have similar memories of like karaoke and like singing <laughs> and dancing with strangers yeah yeah i love that i do too <laughs> all right so we're gonna go into section two which is lagos yay <laughs> <laughs> so in section two uh we're gonna talk about lagos so we're gonna share some personal stories of some of our best memories and some of our worst memories um in lagos as well as some personal attributes of the city and the people in that live in the city. So I will start with um, some of the best things that I loved about being in Lagos. And um, first and foremost, it's family. Uh, so I lived, um, yeah, so I lived in Nigeria for about two years. And most of the people that I, um, most of the family that are in Lagos, I didn't see like much. I only went to Nigeria a handful of times, you know, growing up. So it was nice to consistently have some of these people that I spoke to all the time that I would email Facebook um, and be able to see them and, and be really accessible to me um, in a way that I didn't have growing up. So I loved just being at family events and like going for like, you know, different events and holidays um, with my family. It's just the warmth of Lagos, just knowing everybody is nearby. And if you don't look for your family, they'll look for you. And yeah, just you can't get that anywhere else. And Absolutely. even if you have lots of family, let's say in London or New York, people are always busy or they live far away. But in Lagos, it just feels that people make that effort. They will look for you like that Sunday and Saturday. Yeah. And Nigerians are just generally really warm when it comes to family. And friends. so you can just like sometimes text them and say, Auntie, I'm coming over, Uncle, I'm coming over. And they say, just come. There's always going to be food. There's always going to be like, you know, we watch movies together. Like it's just kind of yep. having that like two to three hours of just being around family. Um, and it makes really the difference. Of, it made the difference of my day or my weeks and time. So I really love that. Your family will even be offended if you text them first. They'll be like, why are you texting? My house is your house. Just come. And people don't like the protocol and the planning. They yeah. just feel at home yeah one of the things I also loved about being in Nigeria is just the traditions and the art so I am a huge art lover um just of the arts in general but just arts and plays so I just remember like Thursday um routine we go to Brokerberry open mic oh, night yes that's my favorite <laughs> place in Lagos um open I'm mic night there I have such happy memories there. So many happy memories. Um, like I've taken co-workers there after work. I've gone with you so many times. I've gone with other friends. Like it is probably my favorite place in all of Lagos. Um, so just going there for open mic nights on Thursday evenings, drinking, eating, like it is so, it's just, it, it's Lagos. Like that place to me is just Lagos. Um, another place that I also loved, every, like not every Sunday, but like, almost every other Sunday or every third Sunday, I would go to Terracotta and watch plays. So Terracotta um, is like a art center in Lagos. They have books. They have a, um, they built a brand new uh, stage uh, play center. Um, and I would go there. And some of the plays would be really good and some of the plays wouldn't be good. But I think it was like <laughs> either like 3,000 or 5,000 Naira. 
Um, and I would go and just watch plays like on Sundays. Um, and I loved it so much. So I'm um, in the Musan Center also. I've seen a, a few plays of, uh, there as well. So just like kind of that art, art and culture. Um, I loved yeah. it. And, and Endurance is so talented. So yeah, those are my, some of my best memories in Lagos. Uh, Rebecca, what about you? Yeah, so mine is also a family. Just, you know, I'm back in Lagos now. I've been back for coming up to two years. And just the people are always around. I just love that. But bear in mind, there's a trend now where people are getting a bit annoying. Um, <laughs> my family are listening. Yes, you. Where people are like, you know, they want you to let them know in advance. And I'm like, this is not our culture. We do, for me, anyway, I show up. And, you know, like, for me, Sundays are like free game. They're family days. So, I, I do love the family aspect, but I have to say, I feel like Nigerians are getting a little bit more organized and routine, routine life, which I don't like at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my other kind of best things about Lagos are just the, the perfect Sundays that you have in Lagos. So going to the beach, hanging out. Wallake loves the beach. Wallake, <laughs> I think, would live in the beach full time if she could. Yeah, I would live in the. <laughs> there was there was a time when we were living together where I swear, like four four Sundays or four weekends back to back, she went to the beach. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like me. That sounds like me. I love, I love being outdoors. Um, so that's my best. So now yeah. we're gonna share some of our worst experiences in Lagos. Um, so I have, um, two stories related to the police. So just the police are terrible. And then, for, you know, growing up in like the UK or in the US, you're taught to kind of respect police, but like, you have to remove all of that from your mind when you're in Nigeria. And then just like, you, you, you have to kind of like be rude to them or they're going to take advantage of you. I, my first like week in Lagos, I basically got conned into giving, um, a police officer like 10,000 naira. And my friend who was oh, with me was like, ah, yeah, my friend who was with me was like, ah, what are you doing? And I'm like, no, they have rifles. And she's like, first of all, they probably don't even have bullets. But I was so <laughs> because they cornered us in like this dark alley that like if they would have killed us, no one would have known. And there was like four of them. I unlocked the car and they got into my car and I basically. Oh, no. Yes, it was the worst experience ever. And like from then I was like, screw that. So like I remember one time they tried to pull me over. Um, and I literally did a U-turn and I like ran away from them. <laughs> I was like, I'm, I'm going to pull over. I straight up did a U-turn and I ran. I'm like, hell no. Like literally. And then I was, I, someone told me to make copies of my driver's license because they will take your license. So I would only keep paper copies of my license in my car. And I was like, if you want it, take it. I'm fine. I have like 10 more copies. yeah so those are some of the worst experiences but I learned very quickly and another kind of really bad experience and I hate to say this but sometimes it's the people um I did there's a lot of great people that I met but I did meet a lot of people who had really bad intentions um who you know hurt me in a lot of ways um and you know just really misgivings and just bad like bad intentions in general Um, And I was naive um, and I was like, you know, everyone's, you know, these are my people, everyone's going to be nice, but people sometimes look at you and like, you know, you apparently have a mark on your head and they try to like, you know, sometimes um, take advantage of you in that way. So not everyone is like that, but there were a group of people, unfortunately, that um, I did come across who didn't have the best intentions. And you were like such a breath of fresh air, like you just had your sunny American vibe. And that isn't that isn't so common in Lagos. So people yeah. are very warm yeah. when you know them. But meeting people 
is um it's hard to meet the warm person up front so yeah I remember like you having some bad experiences and so have I yeah. um but yeah no definitely there's some dodgy people around they are and you come you come in with your good intentions I'm just generally for the people that I do know I'm very warm and I'm very open to them and sometimes like people like you said people aren't used to that so um yeah it was unfortunate but I did also meet some really great people um, who I am still friends with today so okay what are your some of your worst experiences in Lagos my worst experiences are traffic and <laughs> in general simple things not working like why in 2020 should I have to think about you know my ATM card working or not or <laughs> that paying for something in a store won't work or um, my internet doesn't work like I just it just pains me when simple things don't work and yeah. you can spend ages in a store paying for something over and over and I hate that. So that and being in traffic. And then also sometimes I just miss beautiful things. Like the beach here is where I go for beauty and it's rugged, natural beauty. But I miss uh, like going into nice stores and shopping and looking at beautiful clothes. And yes, there's amazing Nigerian designers, but you know, it's that Nigerian designer look. So I miss the, um, I just, I miss shopping in England. Like I miss shopping in London. Like that's the first thing I do. I won't go into London right now because that's our third section. <laughs> but I, I do looking at beautiful things, beautiful clothes. Yes, there is beautiful art and plays here, but I miss the diversity of art. Like I miss looking at contemporary art and things from all around the world, not just African art. So um, that would be my worst part of Lagos. Same. I, I, I miss shopping. Like I love to shop. Like I love just going into like <laughs> Zara. Like if I want to get a pair of leggings, just going into like H&M and yeah! like, ten, like simple things like that. And not that we don't have it, but it's just like sometimes. Where will you find it, Joe? I don't even yeah. worry about maybe, shopping in maybe, Lagos. Maybe you go to like um, Balogun Markets and. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. But like. You know, <laughs> No thanks. I actually like Balogu Market. Hilarious. I love it for buying Ankara um, and fabric. But I'm not gonna. Yeah. Why? Why can't I just pick up a pair of jeans when I want and not pay twice the price? I remember I bought like forty thousand dollar, dollar, forty thousand naira um, uh, Nikes um, because I left my sneakers back in home at home and 40,000 Naira was like, I think, what was it back then? Hello, like like $200 or something. Yeah. Yeah. I, but, but the, so things like that, like just to be able to buy like a cheap pair of trainers, um, sneakers, you can't really do that. I guess. No, no, you can't. But then there's a great stuff. Like you can dress up, you can go for the weddings and do your professional makeup for only like Thirty dollars, yeah. and you know you can get like amazing clothes which you couldn't do anywhere else. So there's 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 trade offs, right? Yeah. You know. So I don't in Lagos. I don't even worry. I don't miss broccoli or veggies I can get elsewhere. I just buy really great fresh um, Nigerian grown vegetables. So I just try and balance the two. Yeah, and that leads us great a uh, great segue into our second part of the segment, which about the, which are about the pros and cons of the lifestyle. Um, in Lagos so you talked about fruits and veggies um, and I remember like I always went to the fish market like on Saturdays and got like fresh fish um, and like getting fresh vegetables so I love the fact that you can cook with a lot of fresh foods and they're very inexpensive like I would spend almost nothing on food um, I would buy food so often so it's one of the things that I love you about have Lagos. such amazing food like yeah. you'd grill 
fish and you you cooked so well with all the fresh stuff I love I was I loved it. I, I absolutely loved like the food in Lagos. Um, I love the diversity too. I think now we're starting to have more Chinese and Indian. Um, so yeah. I, yeah. So I also love how it was like, you can get like some really upscale food, but then some also not so upscale food, but still great quality. So that's one of the things that I loved. Um, and then just being able more on a personality, being able to go out with like coworkers or friends after work, you always had something to do on the weekends and after work. Um, and you don't really find that warmness in the U.S. or in the U.K., whereas in Nigeria, like there was always there's somewhere always to be. something to do. Yeah, there's always And as soon as people here, it's just assumed that you'll keep hanging out and there's not really much to it. It's like assumed, apart from those dodgy people who like to front. And yeah. there are many yeah. of those indeed. But, you know, in general, when you meet good people, it's just assumed that, yeah, you'll keep hanging out. Yeah. So what are your thoughts? <laughs> What are some of your pros and cons? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, so pros and cons of the lifestyle for me, so apart from the ones I've shared, like family, warmth, um, like, oh yeah, so one I haven't shared that's a big one to me, it's kind of like, you know, breaking the rules and not getting in trouble. (laughs) So like, you know, I I drive around in Lagos and I park wherever I want to park and I don't get in trouble. And if a last mile person wants to pull me over, I speed past because I had a bad experience like you when I first came home where someone jumped in my car and find me. So now I pretend I can't see them. <laughs> so just <laughs> do you remember in New York, I was always getting parking tickets because yes, I, I just do. come from and I didn't even understand the parking rules in New York and I was always getting tickets. I spent so much money on tickets. Um, so so you <laughs> so know, I kind of freedom. One of the, one of the yeah. things that scared me about like coming back to the US was that speeding because I never did the yes. speed limit. And like even in DC, the speed limit in the city is 25 miles per hour. And now I'm like used to driving that. You may as well just ride your bike. You may That's as well. Ridiculous. But like in Nigeria, I used to speed like crazy, like crazy. Yes. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah. And then I'd say another thing is in Lagos, that kind of pressure to be perfect. Mm. I don't like it. Yeah. I mean, I can like that in Lagos. You can go, you can do your makeup, you can get these beautiful clothes, and you can just like transform yourself and always look beautiful. Great. But I don't like that expectation that you're going to a wedding and you must look like this. I'm I'm the last person who wouldn't look like that because I do love to dress up. But what I don't like is the expectation that you ought to. And like, you know, you should be perfect. Your nails should always be done, your lashes and Again, I think I sound like a hypocrite because I do do all those things, but I don't like, I like how in London or New York, I can just wake up and go and I can just do like my grunge outfit on the day that I feel like. And here when I do my grunge outfit, people will be giving me side eye if I do my sporty outfit. So I kind of, I mean, I'm owning me now and I'm doing me, but I just don't like that whole perfectionist approach. It's, I find it very boring. I'm like, I want some more flavor. I want people to show me more of them. Um, more of themselves, not just perfection. I agree. It's like, and one, yeah, I was like, it's like everyone's always so made up all the time. Like, here I can go and grab like a quick bite, like you know, at a cafe and just like not have makeup on, just like fill in my eyebrows and go. Whereas on Lagos, like you go up, you go, you meet with someone for 30 minutes and everyone's like in makeup and like on heels. And it's like, oh my god, it's like everyone heels has to look perfect all the time. I hate it. I hate it. And then, but then on the segue to that, which I do love, is that in Lagos, you can be fat, thin, <laughs> tall, short, and you can be beautiful. So I do like the lack of expect, the lack of rules. So like in London, like you should be skinny and like even in New York, 
New York, you can be more whatever shape, but it's still like skinny's the the look. Whereas in Lagos, I like that. As long as you have confidence, you are fine. All you need to do is be confident and you're a fine babe. And I, I do like that about Lagos. Agreed. <laughs> All right. So that's it for our second section. And then we are going into our final section, which is on London. So welcome to the wild card for this week. Um, and the wild card for this week is entitled Thankful for God's Nose. So we're going to tell you stories of um, times that God has said no um, to things that we've prayed for, fasted for, um, and wanted in life. Um, and God has said no. And the wonderful things that have come about um, God saying no, because we always, you know, God has things planned for us that are bigger than what we've imagined. So sometimes it is that we ask God for things that in retrospect may seem small and he's given us greater possibilities. Um, so we're going to share a few stories. Um, the first story is going to be things from our distant past. So things from, you know, five, 10 years ago that have happened and we prayed for it and it didn't turn out the way we wanted, but it maybe turned out much better. So I will share with the first story. And um, my first story dates back to when I was a senior in college. So I was 21, 22. Um, and I, in undergrad, I did a um, bachelor's degree in sociology and economics. Um, and I had a minor in statistics. And I did all of that because I thought I was going to be a researcher. Um, as you can probably tell, I really like a lot of social topics, topics that deal with race um, and class and gender and things like that. Um, and I really wanted to go into a PhD program to study that more. Um, I can I cut you off? Yeah, I'm sure. sorry. I just wanted to share with everyone that I've not heard the story. So yeah. I'm listening really intently and it's so nice to hear. So sorry to cut you off. So we, we actually try not to... Um, talk too much about the points that we write because we, we like having that like surprise. So I'm glad I yeah. haven't told you this story, you know, the next story, but I haven't told you the story. So, and I, yeah. Um, so yeah. Um, and I thought it was what I wanted to do, but I think it's just more, it was a certain path for me and there was no guessing to it. I would do a five-year PhD program and then I would, you know, go and, you know, do a postdoc. It was just a certain future, not so much of a future that I wanted to do. And I applied for like a handful of programs and I ended up not getting any of them. And I think it's really just because I wasn't so serious. Um, but I think in retrospect, not in retro, not I think, but I'm glad in retro, um, thinking back, but I didn't get into any of the programs because I don't think I would have been happy. Um, I was always great in school. I always got really good grades, but I don't think I liked school like so much. And I couldn't have been <laughs> <laughs> in college or I mean, um I mean just in general so like um I did great uh in undergrad in um, high school and like at under and in college and in my master's program I, I did an MBA I was always great in school because I could study um but I don't know if I liked school um so you I didn't enjoy have, it I don't think I enjoyed it so I couldn't have imagined doing five years after just doing undergrad um and what resulted instead was that um I got to like uh so I didn't go into the program and I ended up moving to New York, well, to Jersey City, like a year after. And I had the most wonderful year and a half of, of my life. Um, and I was so young and I was free and um, it just gave me a downtime. I, I really enjoyed that downtime that I would have probably spent in school. And I was just a young free person running around the city. Like I was interning, I was working and met like a really great group of friends. I had like a lot of crazy shit happen that I have stories That's about. <laughs> that I have stories for a lifetime, um, you know, from it. But 
I'm very, very happy that it turned out um, that I did not get into the PhD program. So I'll after your stories next. That's amazing. I love it. <laughs> I also tried and didn't, not that I failed. I never even got to the point of sending the application for a PhD program in crop science. Hmm. It's just funny. Like, I, I didn't know this about you. Yeah. Um, okay. So my story of something from the distant past when I really wanted something and I prayed and didn't work out was when I was leaving England in 2015 or 2014, actually. And I finally got the courage to leave England. And I did, I left my job. I was working in management consulting in London. I left my job and I did a summer course in Copenhagen in entrepreneurship and agriculture. And it was like the summer of a lifetime. Mm. Um, I was, I think I, what am I even questioning? Chibi was five years ago. I was 20, <laughs> 27. Um, it was six, five, six years. I was 27. And it was this summer where I kind of just felt my youth come back to me. I was free. Mm. I was in amazing city of Copenhagen. I was going around on my bicycle. I was studying at Copenhagen Business School, which was by a lake. I was meeting all these cool people from across the world. And it just kind of refreshed my soul being out of London and being mm. out of the rat race and being in a calmer setting. And anyway, it was all about food and how food can change the world. And I was really determined at that point to work for a food company. So what I really, really wanted was to work for any big food company. And I wanted to work in Nigeria. I was trying to move back to Nigeria. And I applied like 50,000 times to <laughs> this company called Ala Foods, which is um, one of the largest dairy companies in the world. And the parent company of Dano Milk, which is the second largest, or at the time was like the fourth largest milk company in Nigeria, and it's based in Denmark. I applied to a graduate program after that summer in Copenhagen. I didn't hear back. I applied again. Two months later, I sent all this stuff um, and I didn't hear back. And then in the end, I, I was too scared to go to Nigeria without a job. So I'd quit my job in London. I was too scared to go back to Nigeria. I'd finished that course in Copenhagen. I was back in London with no money. <laughs> and I was like, crap, what do I do? And I was like, well, now I'm jobless. At least I have, you know, time. So I, I ended up moving to Dubai because, oh, wow. uh, yeah, I moved <laughs> to Dubai because lucky for me, my dad lives in Dubai partly. So I was like, yeah, I have somewhere to stay. That I didn't need to worry about rent. Yeah. I moved to Dubai I tried I to set up say, a before you said your father lives there. I was gonna say because Dubai is the best place to be without money, right? <laughs> yes, girl. But I actually about that time because I moved into my dad's apartment and it was like this amazing place. I was so lucky and spoiled. This beautiful apartment, like amazing, but I had no money. So I was literally buying like, Beans. Literally, I was eating beans. And I could not ask my parents for money because they were like, well, you quit your damn ass job. So clearly you have things and you have a plan. So my pride was not to ask for money. So I was living in this like five-star place. I'm not joking. Oh. And I had no money. And you're eating beans. And you're eating beans. <laughs> I was eating baked freaking beans. And so, so basically, funny. I'm not there. <laughs> trying to set up a startup and obviously it was harder than I thought it was. It didn't work out. Long story short, I stayed for six months and towards oh, wow. like that period. Yeah. My mom was like, where are you? What are you? Doing? 
And I don't think I even told her I was in Dubai. I think all along she even thought I was in England. I don't think either <laughs> my parents even knew I was in Copenhagen. They thought I was all working in London that summer. Anyway, I now got a job in Nigeria with the Danish embassy, which was super random. People were like, how did you leave management consulting, economics degree, to work for an embassy? So anyway, I took this random job. And it's just this amazing story. Of, for me, it's God's favor in my life where I Amen. took a job that on paper looked shitty or random. Why are you working for an embassy? But my first client ended up being that company, Ala Foods. They were my first clients. I helped them develop their um, program to um, do local um, knowledge transfer to farmers and um, food production in Nigeria. And then they now asked me to join them as wow. uh, their head of strategy, their head of business development. Meanwhile, that job I was applying for the prior year was a graduate job because I felt that although I had done consulting for many years, I, I was a nobody in food. Therefore, I needed to go for an entry-level job. So I ended up joining Arla one year and a half after I'd first applied in a management and leadership role in Amen. Nigeria. So Amen. That that's right. Like, yeah. And that's why we always so say God, God's plans are always bigger than what you have planned for yourself. Like you were okay. praying for like a graduate job and you ended up getting a manager job. See God. Amen. So yeah, that, that is like my big story that, I mean, all my friends know, like, yeah, it's just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You, you, you don't know God's thoughts are way bigger than your thoughts. Amen. Um, his, ways, his ways are higher than your ways. So, yeah. Amen. So, yeah. Yeah. So, next we're going to share stories um, in our more recent past. So, in the past maybe two to three years of things that we've wanted um, and didn't turn out exactly what we planned to. But, um, anyway, bigger and better than what we've planned. So, I will start again. Um, my story is... Uh, is back into 2017. So I've always said, so um, as you guys know, I was in Nigeria at that time. I was in Nigeria from 2015 to 2017. And I always see in my life the things that God um, wants for me, he makes very easy. So it was very easy. It, even though I literally moved from like, you know, one side of the world to another, it was very easy. Like um, getting the job that I got was easy. Um, you know, finding rocket like I, a friend of mine in the U.S. had a friend in Nigeria who was a real estate agent, and she found like Rolake had an apartment, and I like it was everything was perfect, right? Everything worked out. Everything was perfect, and then like God was telling me it was time to go, and I didn't want to listen. I was like, oh, me, I'm staying in Nigeria, and he was like, no. Was <laughs> that is not want to go. I did it, and God was like, it was time to go. So like nothing in the end, nothing was working out. I was trying to look for another job. I ended up leaving my job trying to get another job, it just did not work out. And I was like doing some other things um, on the side. And it was just like, God was like, you need to go back to the US. And I'm like, ah, me, I like planned for my life to be in Nigeria. So literally I was like praying to God to say, and God said, no, like there's something better for you. There's something different for you in the West. I have a different plan for you. And my plan is that you're in the US for the next few years. So I um, went back to the US and I don't think I told you that this, but like I actually came back um, July 4th of 2017. So it's my three-year anniversary of being back. But the day I came back, I randomly applied to this to a job and it's the job that I have today. I know <laughs> that. You did tell me that. Yes. I don't know. <laughs> so it was like, God was like, I will, I will make it easy. And when I tell you, like I came back and I was like, work, and I like, I had even before, so like my company, you know, 
HR can be really, really like complicated and take forever. So I actually officially didn't start working until October. So in those five months, I even got like so many job offers. I was even working at another job before my company. You started another job. I I remember that other job. And do you remember how I quit like how many weeks into it? (laughs) I remember. I was just like, see testimony upon testimony. And and you also remember how I was like, you know, um, living. So the job that I had was in Philly and I was living at my parents in Jersey. And I was, meant yeah. to, I was meant to move to the DC area for the current job that I had. Didn't have the money to move. Everything was taken care of. My company gave me like three months. Um, oh, housing. I remember. Yes, three months, three months housing in this amazing place. Um, like the nicest place I've ever stayed in my life. It was like a, a penthouse, it was a penthouse apartment um, looking, overlooking Georgetown. Um, like, you know, they gave me like money. Like they gave me all these things that I was just like, <laughs> No, and it's just like how no, no, no. yeah. And I was, I was thinking, how was I going to be able to do it? And God just said, go back to the U.S. and I will make it work. And He did above and beyond what I thought. And three years later, I'm still in this job. I'm still loving it. Um, and I'm just so grateful and you're because I you're getting promoted. Yes, Amen, Amen. And I never thought it was going to work out. I was like, my, my, you know, my destiny is for me to be in Nigeria. And not to say that's not in my, in my, in my future. But I just, you know, it is a testimony um, to really just listen to God and God will take care of all the things that you worry about. If you pray to him for it, he will take care of all the things that you worry about. (laughs) I remember um, when I came to see you at your aunt's place in Ajawa Estates. I think I was like back on a trip and I just remember you were like so set. You're like, I'm I'm staying in Nigeria. No, I think at that point you'd actually decided to leave. I just remember there was a lot of like uh, mourning. You felt like you didn't want to leave. Yeah. So I always think of your story in particular of how, I don't know, it was just like magic. It was. <laughs> like, and it was honestly, and it just, yeah. it's, a, it's a testimony to trust in God because I'm like, how am I going to do all this thing? And God was just like, get on that plane and I will take care of everything. And he surely did above and beyond my expectations. So um, I'm so glad that it didn't work out because the things that I've been able to do and see and the friends that I have made in the past three years, I'm just so grateful for so great so yeah. so great <laughs> so what is your where is your story of the not so re- uh distant past yeah so my story is remember when I was leaving New York and you came to mm-hmm. see me and I was staying in Harlem at my friend's place and we went for that nice walk and it was like October time and it was still a chill in the air and we went oh, through the park and, and we saw got, that dog yes I was just gonna say something else about the seafood that we got do you remember <laughs> Hey, that's seafood. Hey, Lord. Jason Christie. We're going to post pictures of this seafood. Fresh fish and prawns in this local joint in um, Harlem. In Harlem. But yeah, I think that day or the day before, yeah. we went to the park mm. and we saw this beautiful poodle. It's like butter-colored poodle. And I was set. When I was living in New York, I was like, when I go back to Lagos, I'm getting this poodle. <laughs> and I knew it was a standard poodle. I did all this research. Um, and I was so set on getting this dog. And then, you know, reality bites. I remember coming back to Lagos and started, I got in touch with the dog sellers and they were like, oh, poodle, poodles have to be imported. So they're like, okay. And then I was like, okay, so how much are they? And then the price of poodle for importation to Lagos, it was like ridiculous. And it was like a thousand dollars, a thousand five hundred dollars. I was like, okay, that one is not going to happen. So I had to switch it up and change my mind. And basically I love the poodle for the dog, the size. I wanted a 
medium biggish dog, but also because my brother's kids are um, allergic. So I didn't want a dog that they would be allergic to. So there's a short list of dogs that are hypoallergenic and don't shed. So I now had to suddenly pull up the list again and be like, okay, which dogs fit this list? Um, and a Shih Tzu was on it. And Shih Tzus can be bred in Nigeria. So I had to get a Shih Tzu, but it was not my first choice. I, I just had in my mind this like butter colored, almost red poodle as my dog. So anyway, I, I ended up getting a Shih Tzu. I got him last November and he's just amazing. He's like just slotted into the family with me and my yeah. mom. He's and he's so cute. <laughs> He's so cute. He's so wonderful. He's so loving. Um, and I can't imagine, yeah, the home without him here. So, mm. yeah, that's just a story of what I wanted that I thought was, um, you know, exactly what I needed, but it wasn't. Yeah, and he's really, really cute. Um, so. He's so cute. <laughs> he's so cute. <laughs> I, I, did I tell you I was dog sitting this weekend? You know. Yeah. Maybe. So- <laughs> So I am uh, dog sitting um, my landlord's dog and it's really, it's really nice because um, I, you know, my, my dog passed away last year and I've been wanting to get another one, but I've also loved the peace of not having to have a dog. Um, it is work. <laughs> it is a lot of work. And it's um, a lot of money. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of commitment, um, especially, and my dog was older. So like just even more money and more commitment when they're older. Um, so it's nice to be able to kind of play, you know, play house with the dog um, for the past few days. Yeah, I love dogs. So, nice. <laughs> so our last story um, is of um, a situation where, again, God has said no, but we still kind of think about it and we kind of wish um, he'd said yes. Um, so I will start with the first uh, short story. Um so when I graduated undergrad, like I said, I was looking for a PhD program and I wanted to do research. Um, I thought I wanted to do research. I didn't get in. And then I actually, so I also, one of the things that I also wanted to do was I actually wanted to be a midwife. Um, I've always loved babies growing up. Everyone knew that I loved babies um, and I wanted to be a midwife. So even though I didn't study um, science as an undergrad, um, I, um, wanted to I had to like go back to school and get a couple credits and then go into a master's program um so what the reason I actually did end up moving to the New York area was that I uh in preparation for this program um that I was applying to and thought I was going to get in I don't I literally moved because I thought I was going to get into the program (laughs) I ended up not getting into the program again um so I ended up staying in New York for a year and a half so I always amazing well is better on us. Exactly. So <laughs> I, I always just think about it um, because I really, you know, I talked about Lennox Hill, the docu-series about doctors. I always just wanted to be a, a midwife. So maybe in my um, in my latter years, I'll go back to school and do that. <laughs> what about you, Walker? I love that about you. <laughs> um, for me, um, so mine is a lot more recent, recent history. Um, just this year, you know. So um, I was hoping that July 17th this year, I would be back in Cape Town, finishing off um, this leadership course I'm doing. And obviously, we can't fly anywhere. So that's not <laughs> happening. And that one is okay. I'm okay. I don't need to go to Cape Town. But, <laughs> but I was meant to be in New York in August. I made a promise to myself when I left New York that I'll be in New York twice a year, by God's grace, every damn year. <laughs> and... It's now, you know, it's now July and August is around the corner. So it it just has to happen. So, you know, coronavirus or not, I'm determined to be there. So that is one that I'm 
It's on my prayer list. God, Amen. make it happen. Amen. 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 And New York is wonderful in the summertime. So, so that is it for our wild card segment for this week's episode. It's also the, actually the end of the podcast um, episode. So we hope you enjoyed our stories, uh, our personal stories. This was a very personal episode, um, and it was very intentional because we wanted. You want, we want you guys to get us to know us a bit more. Um, so we hope you enjoyed our personal stories of our, um, just the things that we've kind of, you know, reflected on in the past episode. Um, and we really hope it got you thinking to some of the things that um, you've prayed for. And in the end, it actually was better that it didn't, it didn't turn out the way that you prayed and the things that God has given you and said were much better um, than what you prayed for. Yeah, so as usual, you can keep in touch with us and follow us on social media. So you can find us on Instagram at Other Side of the Atlantic, and you can find us on Twitter at Side of Atlantic. So we look forward to hearing from you. Send us DMs or messages um, if you want to send us any tips or any of your own stories. Until Until next time. I'm moving my pack of chocolate. I'm moving my pack of chocolate, so I'll keep eating. Okay. I'm still laughing at the what is it, Genie? Genie? <laughs> I know what you call it because of Grey's Anatomy. So we understand you because of Grey's Anatomy, but it's, but it's so like, weird. It's so funny. It sounds like you're trying to say like vagina, but like it's like a common no. thing. Genie. Gynecology. So gyne. Gyne, gyne. <laughs> Obs and gyne. Let me just say OBGYN or GYN. Whatever. That doesn't make sense to us. <laughs> gyne, gyne. <laughs>